Good morning. It's already been a sweet time of worship in the presence of the Lord. You know, the Bible uh, gives different names for the child of God. You know, child of God, a disciple, a servant, all these different uh, names that we're given. But one name that we're given, we're called the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we kind of think of this room as being the temple, but really, biblically, you and me, we together, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have to invite him to come. When we came in, he came in with us. But what we do have to do is to make sure we yield to him, to make sure we say to him, oh Lord, you are welcome to take all of my life to take all of my day, days and all of my time, all of the gifts you've entrusted to me, I want to use them for you. I want to talk today about the believer and the, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how we can allow him to be in control of our lives. I have a small booklet that I would like to give to you, and I think the ushers are going to help us to pass those out. Got some uh, fine young men that are going to help uh, pass those out. So uh, they'll get you one. I don't know if I have enough for every person. I think I do. But in case we don't, we may have to uh, share just a little bit, especially with your spouse. But um, I would love for you to have one. If you don't get one, on the back of the bulletin, uh, you'll find the sermon notes. And so I put the main points there, but there's a lot more that I wanted you to have. And so I don't even know for a fact that we will finish uh, this message this morning because uh, this morning we're only going to take one verse, Ephesians 5.18. And those of you who have been walking with me for a number of years say, oh no, we're in trouble. Anytime he makes you think we're getting out early, it's not going to happen. I'm going to let you out on time, I promise. But all I'm saying is we might not have time to finish the message uh, that all that God has been saying to me, even this morning. In my own private quiet time as I was reading through Psalm 85, I was praying that over our time together, that today the, the Lord would just re refresh us and renew us, revive us, restore us, whatever word you want to call it. But today I want us to think in terms of to refill us. Does it mean we need more of him or does it mean he needs more of us? That's what I want you to be thinking about as we go through this uh, message together today. Well, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Just to let you know the context in which we're bringing this verse into the, the mix. We're going through um, Ephesians and now we're at Ephesians 5, 18. But when we entered chapter 4, not chapter 5, but chapter 4, verse 1, all the way through chapter 5 and verse 17, we were talking about living the Christian life. Living the Christian life. That's why we don't put a lot of emphasis here about everyone coming with a suit and a tie and being all um, decked out that way. We're not talking about exterior things. We're talking about we want to live the Christian life. We want to apply it in our daily lives. And so that's what chapter 4, verse 1, all the, all the way through chapter 5, verse 17, that's what it's all about. We were tracking one word. It was the word walk. The word walk. It means your lifestyle, the way you live. 
And so we looked at all these different things of live in the light and live in love and walk in uh, wisdom and all these kind of things. But now I want us to go not to uh, the word walk, but I want to give you a new word, the word fill, the word fill. In the Greek, it's the word pleru. And so I'll be saying more about it later, but basically it has to do with in the ancient times, the ships that were out on the seas. Uh, some of them had rows, of course, but uh, where they would row the boat, but uh, the sails were the main things that would propel them forward. So they depended on the wind to take them across the oceans. And so what we're gonna talk about is the wind of God's spirit. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was reading in Luke 4 about our Lord Jesus. And when Jesus went into the uh, wilderness for 40 days, he was preparing for his public ministry, but he had some private preparation that he needed to do. So during those 40 days, what was happening? Well, in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. That same verse goes on to say he was led by the Holy Spirit. But then when he came out of the wilderness after being tempted by the devil and saying no to every temptation, it says Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I really believe that whenever we are allowing God to fill us, when we're yielding to him and surrendering to him and saying, Lord, I have no will, but your will. I have no strength in my, my flesh. I'm just gonna depend on your strength, your ability today. Whenever we allow him to totally fill our lives that way, we yield everything to him, then I believe we begin to experience the leadership, the guidance of the Holy Spirit like Jesus, but we also will experience the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible uses five emblems to represent the Holy Spirit, the dove, fire, oil, water, and wind. And so, like I said, I want us to think in terms of sails and each one of us, our lives, we can hoist the sails, but we've got to have the Holy Spirit to come and feel those sails. So we got to make sure we've got the sails open and up. Would you like for God to lead you? Would you like for God to work in power through your life, accomplishing things that only he can accomplish. Well, that's why I'm saying we need to open up our sails and say, Lord, please, I want you to use me as I'm going through my week at school. School's coming to a close pretty soon. And so to say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me at work. I want you to use me in my family, in my neighborhood. You know, the Hebrew and the Greek words, both, it's Old Testament, New Testament. Either way you go, the word for spirit, you know what it means? It means wind. It means breath. And so Jesus compared in John 3, verse 8, the spirit's work to the wind. Those who are born of the spirit, it's like the spirit leads them and you don't know where he's going and what he's going to do next. You see, wind is invisible, isn't it? But don't you see the signs of wind? Can't you see the, the limbs and the trees blowing in the wind? You see, the wind is invisible, but the results are perceptible. People can notice in our lives what the Lord does. And of course, can you direct the wind? Can you get up there and direct it? We can't. We cannot. The, the wind is uncontrollable in terms of its direction. But I tell you something about wind, it can be powerful very powerful. 
And so I want us to look at this one verse here in Ephesians 5.18. I want to read it before we pray. It says here, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So what he's talking about here is the issue of control. The issue of control. Saying, I want to yield my life to the Spirit's power. Whichever direction you're going, Lord, I want to go with you. Are you willing to say that today? You know, just this week, a church member sent me a devotional written by a man named Dr. David Jeremiah. He's one of my favorite pastors and preachers that I listen to sometimes. But in this devotion, I don't even know that the, the gentleman knew who, uh, that I was going to be preaching on this topic. But that devotion was on the, the spirit-filled life. And he compared us to like gloves. And he said, a glove is about as useless a thing as you can think of by itself. But oh, if you put your hand in there, what can that, what can that glove that was so lifeless and just laying there, what can that, hand, what can that glove do with a hand inside, with God's hand, with God's movement in your life, what could happen? There's another man I respect a lot, Chuck Swindoll. Of this one verse, here's what he said. Chuck Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll said, I do not know of a more important verse in the New Testament for the Christian than Ephesians 5.18. And then he says, honestly, no exaggeration. As a matter of fact, another man I respect, Dr. John MacArthur, he goes even further. Listen closely to what he says. If we do not obey this command, speaking of Ephesians 5.18, if we do not obey this command, we cannot obey any other, simply because we cannot do any of God's will apart from God's Spirit. We have to have God help us to resist temptation, to guide us as we go through life. So let's pray and ask Him to speak to us as we look at this whole idea of the Spirit-filled life today. Lord, thank you so much for these who have gathered. Thank you for our worship. Lord, you're so worthy of our best worship, to sing from our hearts, to sing from hearts that are surrendered and yielded to you. That's what I believe is part of the whole teaching here on the Holy Spirit, is that we have the Holy Spirit already, but are we allowing the Holy Spirit to have us fully, completely, totally? Are we totally abandoning our lives to his control, to his power, to his direction? And so, Lord, help us to align ourselves with the teaching of your word this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, Theodore Epp wrote that every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but not every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit enters our lives at salvation. I want to show it to you. If you'll follow me, I want to take you to a few other passages of Scripture. Look at Titus chapter 3. When you became a Christian, here's what took place. Titus chapter 3 verses, uh, well, 5 and 6. Let's just go with those. It says in verses 5 and 6 of Titus 3, He saved us. Do you remember when He saved you? What a glorious day that was. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration. Regeneration means to be born again. It means you get a new start and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now listen closely to what verse six says. Whom he, that is God, poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the day that you surrendered your life in repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, that day, the Father poured out the Holy Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives so that now you have the comforter, you have the helper. He's with you to go through life. You're not alone when you go through your life. He's with you to help you. And there's something very significant that Paul says also in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. You see, you have to understand that I'm not talking about you having an experience and having the Holy Spirit to come into your life. He's already there if you're a believer. But listen to what he says in Romans 8 and verse 9. He says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not even a Christian. You don't belong to Jesus yet, but you can. And that's going to be where we're going by the end of this service. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't have a relationship with him yet. Hey, we're not, we're not condemning you. We're here to tell you how to get that relationship because we once were where you are. So listen to this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, listen to what he says. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so I was thinking about this booklet that I just gave you. Inside that booklet, you're going to find that there's a an incredible diagram on page two and three. There's three diagrams actually. And so one of them is gonna be about the natural person. And so I want us to look at this and think, okay, what is a natural person? What is a spiritual person? And what is a worldly person or a worldly Christian? Let's put it that way. I believe that the Bible is like a mirror. And so today I'm gonna to put the mirror of God's word in front of us, okay? If you see yourself and you're not where you want to be, then do something about it. Don't get upset with me for, for pointing out where we are. I'm just trying to hold the mirror up. And so look into the mirror of God's word. Which one best describes you and your life? Where you are in your Christian life? Well, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want us to look at these before we look at a diagram and what it looks like uh, that's there in that booklet for you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12, he starts talking about how we do not have the spirit of the world. We have the spirit that's from God. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they're folly to him. 
And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Did you hear those three different profiles? It's like the mirror of God's word is in front of you. You're seeing there someone called a natural man, someone called a spiritual man, and then someone called a carnal man or fleshly man or a man of the world, a man who's become a Christian, but now he's kind of gotten distracted. And so he's now over there once again, living like the natural man because the world's filled with natural man. One time I was a natural man, but I've come to know Christ. He's changing me from within and he can change you if you're not uh, in the category you want to be today. So I want us to look first at the natural man. I believe the natural man, he is self-directed. He's self-directed. You can look at the verses in verse 14 and you can find out, hey, he's not yet trusted Christ. He does not accept the things of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit's direction. Biblical truth is considered folly to this man. He cannot understand scripture. And that's why in the diagram in the booklet, uh, Bill Bright, who wrote this uh, with Campus Crusade for Christ a number of years ago, he's in glory now. But what he was trying to do was to think, how can I communicate this so that people understand what 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 is trying to say? And so the best way he could think of to communicate it was, it's like your life has a command center. Your life has a throne, if you will. Or if you want to compare it to driving, your life has a driver's seat. The question is, who's in the driver's seat? Who's deciding what's right and wrong? Who's deciding the way you're going to live, the way you're going to treat other people? Well, before a person comes to know Christ, the person in the driver's seat is self. It's us. It's self. And so this diagram has a big S sitting in a chair, right? That S doesn't stand for Savior. That S stands for self. And what it means is, I know where I'm going. I know how to act. I'm my own person, I can drive, I know what's going on. So this diagram illustrates how the control is in the hands of self. We're in charge. But notice what happens whenever we say no to Christ. I think the saddest thing, look where the cross is. The cross is outside the circle. The cross is outside your life. The love of God is standing out there waiting for you, for me to say, I need you. I want to turn from a self-directed life to a Christ-directed life. But at this point, if you're in this place, then you're still driving and you're saying, no, I'm not gonna allow Jesus to be in charge of my life. 
And so you've got him on the outside of your life. And when you've got him on the outside of your life, you're the one that's going to decide how all those different things in your life, how are you going to depend on the, how are you going to engage with the people at work? How are you going to engage with the people at school or in the neighborhood or in the store or wherever you are? You know what? We can't handle it. And so look at how disoriented all those dots are. See the dots in that circle? Those dots stand for everything going on in my life, everything going on in your life. So before we ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, there was disharmony. There's no order. It's kind of chaotic. One day you're like this and the next day you're like that. So we're constantly frustrated because we can't seem to pull life together. No one can. It's only Christ. He's the one that can pull life together. So maybe today you realize he's talking about me. I just want you to know something. We are not throwing stones today. You know why? Because Isaiah 53 verse 6 has Victor's name on it. Isaiah 53 verse 6 has every Christian, their name on it in this whole building. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So what is it saying? It's saying that every one of us at one time, we were in the driver's seat of our life. We were all going our own way. The Lord's saying, this is the way I want you to go. And it's like, I don't care. I'm going to go this way. That's the natural man. So if that's where you are, I just want to describe to you the spiritual man. It doesn't mean that the spiritual man is a better man than you. It means that the spiritual man has been saved. It said that all of our iniquities were laid on Jesus. That's who it's talking about in Isaiah 53 verse 6. And so the spiritual man says, I can't do this. I can't run life on my own. I'm, I'm making a lot of mistakes. And so what we do is we say, Jesus, I'm willing to turn the wheel over to you. Didn't somebody sing a song about that? Get a wheel to Jesus or something. Anyway, give him the wheel so that he's in charge. Man, when you do that, look at what happens in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 15 and 16. It says, um, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So to say we have the mind of Christ means somebody else is at the head. Somebody else is making the decisions because your mind tells your body what to do, right? So if you have the mind of Christ, it means he's guiding you now as you go through your life. So all of us in here, we're not perfect, but what it is, what we're saying is we've turned the wheel over to Jesus and we've said, Lord, I may not do this perfectly, but I want to give the wheel to you. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. I want you to empower me. I need your Holy Spirit to be my strength. I need you to enlighten me so that I make good decisions in my life, so that I'm given insight and discernment between right and wrong, between truth and what's falsehood. I, I need the access to the wisdom of Christ. All of those things are right there in verses 15 and 16. But maybe you would say, well, show me a, show me a diagram. I'm a, I'm a visual learner. There you are, visual learners. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. A diagram of the Christ-directed life would look something like this. 
Notice this person yields the throne of his life to Jesus Christ. What's on the throne? Now it's Jesus. The cross is the representation there of Christ on the throne of his life, in the driver's seat. But where is the S? Where is self? Self is lower, right? Self is yielding. Self is saying, I want you, Lord, to guide me through my life as I go through my life. And so look at what difference that made in the, remember the other diagram? How disoriented and chaotic all those dots were? Look at those dots. You see, Christ can bring clarity. Christ can bring order. Instead of everything being so chaotic, so messed up, so broken. Look at what Jesus does in a life. Suddenly now there's this incredible harmony to life because now the Holy Spirit's in your life and the Holy Spirit's saying, this is where Jesus is going. You're saying, if that's where Jesus is going, that's the way I'm going. I yield my life to him. All I want you to know is that there's a better life than the frustration. There's a better life than all that disharmony and all that pain and brokenness and so forth that was over there with the self-directed life. The Christ-directed life is so much better. Maybe you've come into this building and you've seen a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a teenager, and they're smiling. And you're thinking, what are you smiling about? Are you laughing at me? You know, they're not laughing at you. They're so happy. They're so joyful in the Lord because something's happening from within and it's just coming out on the outside. We don't pay people here to come and, you know, smile and that sort of thing. It just comes from within because there's a joy whenever Christ is on the throne. But I want to show you what can happen even to those who ask Jesus to be on the throne of their life. Here's what can happen. We could say, you know what? Look at the way everybody else around me is living in the world. Look at on social media and look at, at the movie stars and look at the athletes and look at that guy at work and look at that girl at work. Look at that boy at school. Look at that girl at school. They're so popular and you want to be like them. And so now you're not letting Jesus be on the throne anymore. Even though you're a Christian, you're letting self get back on the throne. You're making Jesus get off of the throne. Because remember, it's all about yielding. It's all about surrendering. You know, Jesus is going to allow you to control it if that's the way you want it. But he would be happy to take the wheel if that's the way you want it. But this person gets confused. In the, in the New Testament, there's a man named Demas. And for a while... He was hanging out with Paul and all of his other associates in the gospel and sharing the gospel and so forth. But Paul says one thing about Demas a little bit later on. He said, Demas having left us for this present world. A worldly Christian is an unhappy Christian because you can't forget about Jesus. You can't follow the world and be a Christian and be happy because you know what you're trying to do? It's a double life. And so you're trying to live a double life and one, one Sunday you're this way, but then when it comes Friday night, Saturday night, you're this way and it won't work. The inconsistency will eat your lunch. And you're saying, I don't understand why. I thought a Christian's life is supposed to be so happy, so joyful. It is, but it's only that way whenever Christ is on the throne of your life, whenever you're yielding all of your decisions to him. 
So let me read through again 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3, and I want you to listen for this worldly uh, person who's now said, okay, I'm going to allow self back in charge. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? What he means there is like that natural man. And so if you were to look at this one, you would say, oh my goodness, Christ is in the person's life, but he's not in control of the person's life. Self is back on the throne. It reverts back to living the way the old man used to live before Christ. You lose your appetite for biblical truth. He said, I couldn't feed you meat. You're not hungry. I had to give you milk. You just want a little dab. Man, he stops growing, starts acting like a spiritual infant, and he starts complaining. He's unhappy. He's miserable. That's why he says jealousy and strife. He's all upset on the inside because Christ, let, let's go to the diagram. Let me show you the diagram. When you see the diagram, you'll say, oh, that's what he means. Remember the natural man, Christ was outside of the life, outside of the circle. But look now, Christ is still in the circle. He's still in your life, but he's sure not in charge. No, he's been deposed. And so now self has seized control again. Christ is, is down there at the foot and you're on the throne. Can you see how chaotic and disoriented, disorganized all those dots are again? It can happen at any moment. Any moment we take our eyes off Jesus, any moment we start saying, you know what, I think I, I want to be like the world. I see some people on social media that I follow and they're definitely not living by Bible standards. You see, self does not relate well to other people. That's why people hurt people on social media. That's why people hurt people at schools. Because people get so hurt whenever they begin to get their eyes off of the Lord and they begin to put self on the throne. You're never going to please everybody. So when you had Jesus as the main focus of your life, things were a lot different. But not now. You see, self does not relate well, so that's why there's discord. But also self... Self's unhappy. Self is just so unhappy. That's why you're always frustrated. What's the solution to all of that? The solution is to allow the Lord to be in complete control of your life, which means going back to Ephesians 5.18. I want to try to just close the service uh, this morning by going back to Ephesians 5.18 and I want us to go to the, the last slide, if you want to go to the last slide there. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll catch us up next time. Don't you worry. It says in this verse, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. That's like a fact. That is God speaking. So we have to trust Him at what He said. And it's not going to be feeling, something like that. You're just saying, okay. That's what God said, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Him. 
So when it says be filled with the Spirit, I thought of these things. You know, one thing you need to know is it's in the imperative mood. The imperative mood for grammarians that may be in the room means this is not a suggestion. The Lord is not saying, let me make a suggestion. Sometime in your life, think about being filled with the Spirit. That's not, that's not at all what this says. In the Greek, this is an imperative, it's a command. So if I'm not yielding my life each and every day to the Lord, then I'm disobeying a command of the Lord. And he says quite clearly here, be filled with the Spirit. But notice he does say with the Spirit, which brings up this whole idea of this is also what's called the passive voice. The passive voice is whenever an outside source has to do something for you or to you. And so that's why it's saying be filled with the Spirit. So in other words, allowing the Spirit of God to direct your life, allowing the Spirit of God to control your life to give you the strength that you need in your life. But here's another really good point about this whole idea of be filled with the Spirit. It's continual because it's present tense. And so what you could say is be being continually filled with God's Spirit. So every day that we live, you see, this is not, how many times would you fill up your car? Would you fill it up once and say, okay, we're one and done. How many times would you eat And you say, boy, I feel full. You ever say that after a meal? I feel full. Well, does that mean you're never going to eat again? No. No, every single day we need to go to the Lord again and say, okay, Lord, I'm opening up all the doors, all the doors in my life, all the sails on my ship. I'm opening wide open. And I'm saying again today, would you be my power? Because you know what? The pressures in the office, they're too great for me in my flesh. So I'm saying to you, you give me the strength so that I can honor you and and obey you. But also I find it interesting that this is said to the church, all of us. It's plural. It's plural. So it says, be filled with the Spirit, not just, well, Josh and Victor better stay full of the Spirit. Hey, we should, but not just us. Every Christian, every disciple, This is so important. And that's why Chuck Swindoll, that's why John MacArthur, that's why David Jeremiah, that's why all of those that have a deep walk with the Lord, they understand we can't live the Christian life. You can't walk with Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit helping you to say no to the wrong things and the bad things and helping you say yes to those things that are good and godly. That's why going back to the word filled, It's the word pleru in the Greek. It means you're going to lift up your sails and you're going to say, okay, I need the wind of God's Holy Spirit to give me the power today because I don't have it in myself. That's what I think keeps some people from coming to know Christ. Some people think if I go down there and I make a public, you know, profession of my faith, I might not be able to live it out. But you know what? You need to trust the one that's tugging on your heart because the Holy Spirit is where it started too. The Holy Spirit begins to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit is the one who not only convicts us of our need for Christ, but he convinces us. You can trust him. You can trust Christ. He laid down his life for you. 
And so the Holy Spirit convicts us, he convinces us, and he says, come on. And he draws us to faith in Christ. What a great blessing that the Holy Spirit comes to work like that. And then whenever you turn in repentance and faith, you know what he does? He says, you know what? I'm going to be your helper. I will help you to live the Christian life. That's why this is so important. And so I just wanted you to, to know these things. And next time I'll uh, share with you four principles on doing that, on yielding your life to the Holy Spirit. But what about today? Let's say that today you saw yourself in the biblical mirror and you're saying, I don't like that because I saw myself, I'm still a natural man. I don't have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is, isn't even in my life. Well, he can be. It, he's the one trying to help you understand you need Jesus. But also, if you do pray to receive Christ, then the Holy Spirit's already there. So it's just a matter of you saying, okay, Lord, you know what? I've not allowed you to have my Friday nights, my Saturday nights. I've not allowed you to help me in the way I treat the others at work. So I'm going to ask you, Lord, would you come on in that area of my life? That's what I mean by allowing him every access into your life, yielding your life and saying, okay, Lord, I surrender everything to you. If you don't do that, you're going to find yourself the worldly Christian where self is back on the throne. So maybe you need to just pray today. I mean, you can leave others, the singing to others today if you want to, uh, but you may need to pray and talk to him. If you need someone to pray with, I stand down here at the front to be available if there's someone who needs to put their faith and trust in Christ. Let's say you're a natural man. You say, I need Christ, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to get connected to him. I can help you with that. So whatever the Lord is saying to you, if you're heading the right direction, great. Keep the sails up. Keep the doors open and allow him access into all of your life. But whatever he speaks to you today, whatever he's saying, you obey. Let's all stand together. I want to give you a chance to respond. We're going to uh, have a closing song here called The Savior's Waiting. And he is waiting. He's been waiting. So would you say, Lord, I want to come to you today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the things that we learn in your word. Uh, Lord, I thank you for biblical truth because uh, it just clarifies things. Maybe some people today, when they saw themselves in the mirror, it's, it's like it was so clear. They've never noticed that before, but today they saw it. And so help them to act on it. Maybe they're moving in the right direction. And so today, today was really affirming, encouraging. So bless them. Help them to continue to yield their lives to you. But for those that maybe have said yes to Christ, but they've definitely uh, taken the throne back, I pray that they would allow you to have control of their whole life. Whatever is not released into your control, I pray they would resubmit that today. But if there's somebody here that's never even got off the throne, they're still there. They're still in the driver's seat. I pray that today would be the day they say, I need Jesus to help me in my life because I've been, I've been all over the road. I've been in the ditches. I've been hurting people. I've been wounding myself. But today I'm ready to come to Jesus. Oh Lord, you do it. It's only the work of the Spirit anyway. I'm not trying to talk anybody into it. We're just saying, Lord, speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. 
This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.